Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers. This is a Christian roundtable discussion for men. Podcast number 299. Hard to believe. You know, that's really close to number 300. We'll touch on that a little bit later. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around. Boom! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around. Find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And that is where we are. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey. Meeting daily challenges, just like you. And that's why we're here. We're having a Christian discussion for men. And unlike others, we aren't taking church answers. And we're glad that you've joined us. You know, this podcast has been called Deliberately Provocative and Unexpectedly Funny. So we're so glad that you checked us out. Uh, our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and at NoChurchAnswers.com. So Please rate our podcast and leave a review. And, you know, uh, without you, none of this would be possible. At this time, I'm going to go ahead and just jump right in and introduce the panel. He is a former world-class policy writer, a current professional gambler. He's actually the show producer. It's Mr. Steve Ditch. Yo, Steve. A former prosecutor. He is an attorney, kind of the group historian. We call him the judge. And he was also the ride to get uh, Robert Koshu here. Uh, the judge, Michael Cropper. <laughs> the driver. The, the driver. <laughs> he was the driver the today. Right. <laughs> the chauffeur. <laughs> That's right. And uh, he is a corporate trainer with which is kind of a commercial-grade teacher, a uh, kind of the group theologian. We call him the professor and uh, uh, the ride moocher. It's oh, it's, Robert Co- <laughs> it's Robert. It's Robert Coach. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> because that's funny. Like, uh, Robert, you basically said it's like a half mile, <laughs> a mile down. From, right. If it wasn't 105, I'd be willing to walk. Uh, right. I'm willingly admitted that. <laughs> and my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically the host and uh, currently uh, retired for the moment. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, salesman and contractor kind of guy. And with that, uh, we are. In in uh, a book by N.T. Wright, Simply Jesus, A Vision of Who He Was, What He Did, and Why He Matters. It's published by Harper One, available on Amazon or your favorite uh, bookseller. So, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, just uh, jump right over and have the producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Yeah, uh, very quickly, just to open. Last week, we, we, we did kind of the introduction to the study, and N.T. Wright, his, his central point is that Jesus inaugurated God's kingdom on earth, at, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, that was the, the overarching point. Now, yes, the, the, the cross, the resurrection, they all, they're all part of that. But this was the fulfillment of all the prophecies and, and law in the New Testament, uh, and, and really the, the, fi- the, the making right of the world. He demonstrated that in many ways, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I think the healings were very important, and N.T. Wright talks about the importance of the healings, 
and how central they were to Jesus' ministry, that's, that's what will start. The, there, there are other components of this kingdom that Jesus presented, and we'll talk about those as well. Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump in and uh, read the first scripture. And this is uh, from Matthew 4, 23 through 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Professor. So, Bill often calls our podcast deliberately provocative. Um, We don't have anything on Jesus. I mean, Bill didn't read it, but Mark 1, 15, Jesus' words, probably some of the earliest words we have recorded of Jesus. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That is probably the most provocative statement Jesus said. Because there were three different interpretations of it. When the Jews that were listening to him heard it, they heard, here we go. He is going to overthrow the Romans. We are going to reestablish David's kingdom under David and Solomon. And we are going to rule everything in this area again. And they're all going to be in, and we're going to be in charge. The Romans heard, here comes another stupid Jewish preacher Uh, He sounds kind of like a radical. Better pay attention to him. Well, he said, render unto Caesar what Caesar, so he's not telling people not to tell their taxes. He's not telling his people to overthrow us. He's just a kook in the wilderness. Leave him alone. Not even as dangerous as his cousin John was. You know, Jesus, however, he meant something totally different. He meant the kingdom of God. And honestly, N.T. Wright's describing it in this book. And N.T. Wright may be closer than a lot of other people, but I don't think anybody really knows what that means. You know, the the miracles, and I don't want to discount those, those served as Jesus' advertisement and draw. They were the money gig to get people to come look for him. The lost leader, maybe, would be another way to look at it. Because they accomplished, first of all, real people needed real healing. You know, weren't really being healed by medicine at that day where they really practiced medicine more than cured people with it. But they brought attention to Jesus. But what I think is very important to know is at the beginning, anybody remember what Jesus told just about everybody he healed? Don't tell anybody about this. It was kind of one of those deals where keep it on the down low for a while. Because he knew if he became too popular too early, he wasn't going to accomplish his mission. So he did that. This is going to be a study where we're going to talk about the intersection of those two thoughts, the healings and and the beginning of the kingdom preaching. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, a little bit of history here. (laughs) Uh, The historian. He's never let us down. Who are we talking about? Who are the Jews? 
Uh, they are God's chosen people. They are stubborn. They are hard-headed. But they're still God's favorite. I don't understand that, but it's, it's in there. We see it all through the Bible. Folks, if you read the Bible, any part of it, or you listen to our podcast, you learn that's uh, the key uh, that they hold with God, Jehovah, Yahweh. Anyway, so he picked them out of the offspring of Abraham. They are not protected from all the problems that we experience either. They have their own problems as well. In fact, although he showed them a great deal of favor and he did punish Pharaoh with many diseases and plagues to make him release them from slavery because they were enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt for over 400 years, they again were easily enticed to worship lifeless idols. What we are looking at today, though, folks, will be some more information, some more review on, on the Exodus, which they carried from Egypt. And the Exodus was the name of the delivery that God provided for them when they journeyed out of, of the land of Pharaoh and when they came toward Canaan. And we'll look at some more information on that. And uh, when we come to the particular location of Jesus, and, and uh, this this what I want to tell you folks, and I accidentally erased it a while ago. I've always looked at Jesus when we talk about him. I've always looked at him as a sacrifice for our sins. I have never looked at the part and never considered that he represented the kingdom of God, even though I've read it many, many times. And we talked about it many, many times. It has never been brought home to me until we started this book that, that I am the sacrifice for God. I am here to save you from your sins but I'm also representing God's kingdom. And that's one of the, the things that I have gotten out of this mm -hmm. book so much. That, well, okay, that right. I think well, already writes got, you know, got one, one convinced reader. But that's, that, that's and he, he, he talks about that. And I think that's his, what he's trying to get the message to, to Christians. Because we do, we do focus on the cross. Not, and, and not that we shouldn't. But it tends to exactly that. It tends to blind us a little from from a larger picture. Now I'm going to go. Back, I'm going to get to I'm talk about the exodus. But let me mad. no. Let me talk. <laughs> let me okay. speak to to to, to Robert here. Um, yeah, I, I think we we agree that we can't discount the miracles, but I I wouldn't call them lost leaders. I wouldn't call them the possessed. I I and I think writes the same way. This this is one of the manifestations of what the kingdom of God will be like. And it's prophesized. Also, the healings, we will be made whole. And in this case, you know, it's physical. And all of these, Robert, these precede the teachings. And these are attracting the crowds, as, as we read in this. That people are coming, and, and it's it's not... And I, I like that passage we read, because we, you know, from the education we get, and from sometimes the media we see, the Christian media, we get this feeling that... that Jesus kind of doled little healings out here and there. He was, from, from this passage from Matthew, it sounds like he was healing all comers. And so all comers were coming. But, but here's, here's, where, here's where, where I wanted to go with this. Wright insists we take these healings and believe them. And he, and he says that, and, 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 and I know this is true because I kind of grew up this way in, in my church upbringing. I know in my Christian and Catholic upbringing, the miracles were tried to be explained away. Oh, this is a first century understanding. Oh, this, he didn't really do this. And right, right, 
basically says, no, no, no. And as Christians, we, we must lean into the miracles because that's who Jesus is. And when you start asking questions about, well, what is the kingdom of God like? Which, yeah, is, is somewhat mysterious, but this is, this is one of those attributes. And, and, and as we've, we've talked about, you've mentioned, when we, supposedly, when we get to heaven, we, we will be healed, whatever, whatever illnesses or, or, or disorders we have, if they're large or small. But this is happening right now in this first century. And the, the man who is doing that is declaring himself the king and ruler and God of the of the world and of the scriptures. See, and, and I think that he, I, I totally think they're real. And, 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 and I like the analogy of them bringing in the kingdom because if you want to go one step further, what did Jesus do at one point with the disciples? Sent them out. He, and he what did they get them. to do? Yeah. They he, went healing. He oh, authority to do mm-hmm. miracles yeah. And well, and, all and, and not only that, but who went with them, by the way? All twelve disciples oh. went. Oh, so yeah. that means right. right. That means the bad boy went. Oh, Judas was with them, but he <laughs> Judas was with them and mm-hmm. did healings. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, so I, I think that is part of the story. You know, I and I think, but but I do think he used it as a way, like you said, Steve. I think that's what that got people's attention. Mm-hmm. It was the fancy light and rock show mm-hmm. that got everybody's attention. Because let's be real. Uh, yeah, well, by the middle of by the middle of his doing. ministry, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll discount the first year. But this bit. is happening in the. Oh yeah, this seems to be yeah. happening very early before yeah. this is now. Now we, we can we we don't always know the chronology, but we oh, can assume early. the author of if it was there was Matthew or another author was making a point by putting the healings yep. before the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was using that. He brought his cro- He brought his crowd with that. Mm-hmm. So they would listen to his teaching. Mm-hmm. But then what's interesting is if you read in the Gospels, they talk about him discussing the Word of God in ways no other man mm-hmm. could. Well, you know, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, while we're on the miracles, let's talk about one thing Stephen mm-hmm. brought up for us to point out. And, and, and that's simple. Folks, a lot of us, sometimes I even once in a while I scratch my head, did these miracles really occur? Well, the author talks about what four ways or four mm-hmm. things that provide additional evidence for you to believe that mm-hmm. the miracles really occurred. And I'll let Steve if he wants to address right. it. Otherwise, the, the first thing I'm going to say is there were crowds that came to Jesus. Wherever mm-hmm. he went, folks, crowds came to him because they knew he would heal them. Now, if Jesus, the logic in this is if Jesus was not really healing people, and it was all a matter of mental acts or mental, <laughs> mental exercises, the crowds wouldn't come to him. They wouldn't last. But in fact, they grew and grew and grew. When they heard when that he was going to Galilee or Capernaum or any place, they would come and meet him. They would get there mm-hmm. before him and wait for him. They knew exactly what it was going to be. And then the second thing on evidence that supports Jesus' healing, Jesus must have done some pretty remarkable healings because the people got that didn't like him, criticized him. And then, in fact, they accused him of doing works from Beelzebub or of the devil, which they don't deny the works <laughs> happened, but they accused him of having the authority to heal people from Beelzebub. 
And then the, uh, uh, and in fact, folks, if you read in there, the Pharisees did not deny the miracles either. They just questioned the source of Jesus' power. Anyway, uh, uh, Steve, you want to add something to that? No, 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 that's that's good, that's good. It's, it's, I just thought that was interesting. That's, but, some good but points. But yeah, no, um, but yeah, but that's that's why we, he's, 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 it's, um, there are all, there are a lot of reasons to take these as written. Yeah. And not not as simply embellishments, and and but I think part of it is that because Jesus wouldn't be Jesus without it. It's 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 a one one reason that supports what he's all about. Um, the the other can I go can I go once because I want to go back to the Exodus. Oh, where we do want to break it, maybe oh, kick, good, that, yeah. kick that off because that was the other the other part of this. Um, yes, yes. If and you were if you were a Jew, and even today, I mean, this isn't. This is a fundamental um, component of the Jewish identity, the exodus and the religion that God delivers. And even, even you, know, for, you know, we talk about Christians who just go to church on Easter and Christmas. Um, and Jews who don't go to a temple any other time, they will go at Passover, at Passover and the High Holy Days. Yeah. Uh, but Passover is big, and it's a big family thing because the kids get involved. If you've been to a Seder, they can be a lot of fun uh, because you basically retell the whole story. And and but this is this is that's the point that God delivered, and um, we so so you have this held for this held for Jews today as it held for Jews back in the time of Jesus. But in comes Jesus again, and now he's starting to talk the language also of of Exodus, of and and uh, now. Well, the the Israelite nation was baptized in the water of the Red mm-hmm. Sea, and the the covenant of Abraham was solidified at Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. where he did it, and he basically builds. There is no. Jewish religion without the Exodus, mm-hmm. Be- because if you don't have the Exodus, it's these clans and it's these clans that maybe they get big, but do they have a codified, mm-hmm. written down theology that explains who God is, what God does, what you have to do for God, what God expects mm-hmm. of you, you know, how do you worship God, mm-hmm. you know, what is all the stuff that goes mm-hmm. with that. That, that honestly comes down to us because one of the things the Jews did, they sang hymns and psalms. What do we do? Oh, we sing hymns and psalms. Well, that made them a civilization yes. Yes. W- without having their own dirt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and no. By having their mm-hmm. own rules that they followed, yep. they were yes. able to create their own civilization. Yes. Wright, Wright talks about, he has, he has three, he has seven themes of Exodus. And you, right, right, just all you have to do is read the whole, just the book of Exodus. They're all there. Wicked tyrant, chosen leader, Pharaoh, Moses, victory of God, God provides it, rescue by sacrifice, the firstborn, who are protected by the blood of the lamb. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then, you know, they delivered the new vocational way of life, the presentation of the commandments, the presentation of God's law, and the presence of God at the end of Exodus, they build the tent of meeting and God comes down in a cloud. God is now dwelling with the nation of Israel and then they proceed to the promised land. All of that 
is mirrored or reflected or re reinterpreted in Jesus' ministry. You have Rome, the wicked tyrant, uh, the, the you know just the latest of them, um, the chosen leader, Jesus himself, a victory of God which will come, a sacrifice which will come, a new way of life. <laughs> Which, mm-hmm. which is introduced, and you know, the, and again, the promised presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and and this what and, and the, the tricky part, this whatever this promised land is that is here and also coming here, that well, that kind of thing. and 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 let's be honest, the Jews did a horrible job with the promised land. <laughs> yeah. They mm-hmm. they never really followed all mm-hmm. the rules. They they basically blew off the commandment of mm-hmm. go and conquer. Well, they mm-hmm. conquered, but they didn't follow the rules to the letter because they mm-hmm. sort of neglected to kill, and boy, did they pay for that mistake, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And are we any better mm-hmm. handling the kingdom of God? But before, <laughs> and this is another one. I'll, I'll let you go to break. But this is what what Prada writes points is that yep. this isn't this isn't me to twenty uh, twenty centuries later looking back. The Jews of the time clearly, many of them. Friend and foe clearly understood where Jesus was coming from, the imagery he was using, the language he was using, the prophecies he was quoting, that he was making himself the new Exodus. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is No Church Answers. We are talking about uh, N.T. Wright's book, Simply Jesus. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump right in for the second reading. This is Luke 7, 36 through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who'd lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? 
Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I got to bring up something. Go ahead. Brought up last go ahead, Mike. Week. And uh, and 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 I, I, you look at this. You go through the whole thing. It says, "Oh, this this is great." The woman honors him and honors the kingdom of God and honors Jesus. She recognizes who he is. And Robert last week said, "Jesus has this incredible ability or or, or desire to needle the Pharisees." No, you said that. <laughs> you said that. You brought, you're right. I, I, I yeah, think I like he just flat that. out liked Jesus messing with them. But. Over and over again, he, folks, he liked, to, he liked to heal people on the Sabbath. I th- and I think strictly just to make the uh, Pharisees mad. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and right here, he's going through this, and he doesn't have to tell her your sins are forgiven. But he knows the Pharisees are, are listening. And I think he just throws that in there to get mm-hmm. their attention again. Because she's already done the works that show she has gotten forgiveness and she's mm-hmm. asked for God's God's healing in her heart and, and come to believe in God. And I think, again, the, the way this is humorous mm-hmm. to me because I think he's just throwing that out there. Just, well, just to, well, to, that, to I, I, I would think by, okay, I'll give the Pharisee in this story <laughs> a pass. Because Jesus is new at this and so he doesn't know what he's getting himself into. But you would think by the end, the first time, anytime he's with the Pharisee and the Pharisee asks him a question, what do you, and he starts with, what do you think? Or I have a story to tell you. You'd think the Pharisees would go, oh, crap, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he did, be, be, and, and I say that, and I agree with Mike, I think he'd like to needle him and push him, mm-hmm. but this is why. And, and I think this is, this is the lesson for men today in this. Jesus's harshest words were never for the woman who sinned, the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, the the man who had stolen all his money, the tax collectors. That isn't who Jesus yelled at. Those are the ones Jesus showed the right way of compassion to. Woman at the well. What does he say to her? you know, go and sin no more. The the woman caught in adultery. I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. You know, the tax collectors, give back what you've taken from everybody and don't do it anymore, is basically his answer. It's not, you evil heathen tax collector, you stole that people's money. You should go repent right now. You know, no. He deals with them compassionately. The Pharisees, the ones who are supposed to know better, he has harsh words for those guys. 
much like a strand of Christianity today that likes to push itself out there as evangelical, and we're all about God, yet you're all about yourself, and you're all about selfishness, and you're all about power, and you're too busy focused on power mm -hmm. like the Pharisees that you don't recognize there's a loving God mm -hmm. who loves people and confronts sin when he needs to. And and this is the, but, this is the uh, other side of this. Yes. And, and it's because because the Pharisees do come in for this and and this isn't the first time he deliberately forgave sins in front of Pharisees, which I think is part of his deliberate provocativeness. He is he is demonstrating he can forgive sins. You were supposed to go to the temple to get your sins forgiven. Right. And you know, these were the Pharisees were the, supposed to be the ones who dispensed it, you know, through through God. They were mm -hmm. God's representative. And here's Jesus out in the provinces doing it. What the but but to to um to speak to this these are this is the the other the other two aspects of we, we talked about the healing. Um Forgiveness and celebration being aspects, and mm -hmm. and I know that there there everything's go. Jesus is always going out to dinner with people. I, I I can think of three other off the top of my head, three other dinners or celebrations he's been to. Aside from this, you know, we can remember the the wedding at Cana. He went to Zacchaeus's house. He had dinner with Matthew's tax collector friends, and and he he was always going to parties. He was always celebrating, and we of mm -hmm. course the prodigal son is a celebration in the end over someone who has returned. So there's another aspect of this kingdom, the celebration of a returned, of a repentant sinner. Um, and, uh, but his words, we remember last week we talked about, we, 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 we read the, we read the scene, we read Jesus in the synagogue and he pulls out the Isaiah, he reads the Isaiah scroll and, and, and said, today it's, it's this, this prophecy is, is, is fulfilled in your hearing. And you had asked, well, what happened after that? And, you know, we, I, we did, there is, that is covered mm -hmm. in there. And, and the conversation takes a dark turn because Jesus then goes on to say, a prophet is never accepted in his hometown. Mm -hmm. And then, then, he doesn't pointing there, to, doesn't... <laughs> pointing to the Pharisees there, yes. he said, basically, he holds up Elijah as the example. That while all the widows were starving in in Israel, mm -hmm. he went and fed, you know, provided for a, for a Gentile widow, mm -hmm. for a widow outside the nation, and kind of said she was more worthy. And he's pointing to the Pharisees, saying, "Salvation isn't just for you, and you've got to be careful because you've got to you've got to be humble." To start with, but but that's that's where he's that's where uh, one of the signs where he's extending this kingdom. It it isn't just it isn't just for the Pharisees for the holy men who do think it's all for them. Whatever whatever happens, we're keeping the way because when the Messiah comes, we know he's going to be first. We're going to be the first recruits. And already Jesus is showing them. No, it's the tax collector. It's the prostitute. It's the common people who are just trying to get by in this world. And not only that, everybody else, the Roman centurion, um, this is not just, you know, the, the kingdom's about to expand. Well, and, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that most of them never realized or never got apart, never got off dead center about was they thought the kingdom was just for the Jews. Mm -hmm. They totally missed 
the fact that if if you really follow the Jew, there were multiple laws about what Gentiles had to do to be part of the Jewish kingdom. Oh, and by the way, if you were in Israel during the Passover, you were supposed to be able to eat the Passover meal and sit and enjoy your family because God was trying to open a way to the world through the Jews who missed that boat and got self-absorbed. And so that's where the Pharisees pick it up from because they then end up getting absorbed with their power and their thing and they don't want to lose because like you said I, I like how you put that Steve there they were sure they were fairly certain that what was going to happen was the Messiah was going to pop in in the Holy of Holies walk out chief priest come with me you 12 Pharisees let's go you 40 Pharisees over there I want you to form a guard around me let's go get the horse let's charge out and take the Romans that's how this was supposed to go down according to them <laughs> they they were not expecting an itinerant homeless preacher hanging out around at the Sea of Galilee, preaching to the Gentiles, telling them the kingdom of God is coming. And here are the things, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the, you know, pray for your enemies. I mean, forgive your brother. 70 times 7. You know, they're not expecting, you know, if, if a Roman centurion says, carry my pack, required for a mile, you need to carry it too. You know, the Jewish leaders thought, no, you're supposed to throw that pack down, take your sword out, slay the Roman soldier. You know, and Jesus had a whole nother idea about this. And I think that's what really gets them on edge. You go back to the, the, the scriptures, uh, what you guys are both saying. Jesus, again, he announced himself and he says, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, the poor people. I am to go to the poor people. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners. That's the people, even if they have sinned and even they've done crimes and been mm -hmm. thrown in jail. He says, I am going to set them free. I'm going to preach the freedom to them and the gospel. And then I'm here to recover the sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's the cross over there, right? That's the year of Jubilee, right? The year of, of, of the Lord's favor. Yes, do, you, and do you know, do you remember what the Jubilee was? Yes. Everybody is set free in 49 years for the 50th mm -hmm. year. Right. Well, and, and generally, part, there, there are some theolo theologians that will argue part of the Part of the ultimate sin of Israel was they never celebrated the Jubilee, not even once. <laughs> That's fair. So, <laughs> is that right? Never, yes. That, well, there's no record won. of it. There's, there's not, at least, yeah, let's, yeah. Everything, folks. If if you if you read about the Jubilee, the Lord said, every seven years you let your land rest. Every seven times seven, which is forty nine years, mm -hmm. you are to forgive the debts of what your servants. He said, everybody, and, and even skip your land again, yep. everybody, and you were to let them go home. If you have servants that work for you, you were to free them, forgive them, let them go home, forgive their debt, and let them go with their family. And, and all the land is supposed to return to the let, original family. That is, now let's stop a minute and realize that that is radical even by today's yes. standards. Can oh, you, yes. can you, I mean, we're having a huge... Deal. We're what? having yes, we're having, and I'm not going. I can write. We're just having a huge debate over over you know whether we should forgive student debt or not. But can you can you imagine what's being asked there from your God? 
Give up yeah. every, you know, forgive your debts. So, so you know, whatever you owe, and it, whatever you owe, and you know, return your land. I mean, basically, the land you bought, return it to the original owner. That is, mm-hmm. but that that's again, you're seeing a picture of God's kingdom there, mm-hmm. and and Jesus is deliberately referencing that in that and that and. But the other side of the coin is is that oh, that's it's great when you're a debtor, just like the. Just like the woman in the in the in the story, the, the prostitute, she had a lot of debt. I mean, she was a sinner. She had a lot to be grateful for. A lot to you know, a lot of the, the grace that that Christ offered is is incredible. If you're if you're if you're a creditor, mm-hmm. you're not going to like this idea so much. No, if you that they owe you a lot of money. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You're not going to like this idea so much. You're not going to think. And but you know, the creditors tend to be in on this and this earth. Those are the ones who tend to have the power. Yeah. So, so, so what you what you're seeing here is a God who will intercede, not on you know, not on the foul, not not on not on your real estate holdings. <laughs> not to pretend, you know, he's not going to be your your property attorney. He's going to be interceding on behalf. Of the person who has nothing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 that is the kingdom is the one who, and, and this is the thing is, is you know we could talk long and hard about business and business ethics, and as a practical man, how do you let your faith affect what you're doing in business? You know, is it good to get interest from somebody? Yeah. Is it good to rake them over the coals and get 20% interest when everybody else is charging five? Oh. No. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there are things there that you kind of have to weigh out as you're in business and do things. And I think that's really, Jesus is saying, look, when the kingdom of heaven hits, then we're going to have discussions because guess what? What you're thinking is the right way is not the right way. And what a lot of, by the way, evangelical preachers will preach right now is not the right way either. There's a lot more to it. And and I'll be the first to say, I don't know all the answers. It's too hard. There's It's difficult. There's a lot of work involved here that's hard work. Well, we may not have all the answers, but we're going to come back and explore some more. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up, Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up. And No Church Answers today. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. We are talking about N.T. Wright's book, Simply Jesus, New Vision of Who He Was, What He Did, and Why He Matters. And 
want to go ahead and uh, talk to the fellas some more. We kind of finished that last segment with it's hard work. What does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God? If we're here on earth, because we are, and but we're also told we're we're dual citizens of heaven and earth at the same time. So how are we to live our lives? And and I think that's where the kingdom questions start really coming into play here as men. From from read from yeah. reading right and and getting some insight from this, I would say it the road to repair. How do we repair this world? If Jesus is here to repair, how, what's our role? Forgiveness. Um, and Which is probably the hardest of things for humans to do, to, to just go out and seek reconciliation. Yet in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus himself said, hey, before you go to temple, before you go down there, or, or, or let's put it in mind, before you go to your service on Sunday, before you sing your hymns, before you have the Lord's Supper, before you go to your Bible study, go go apologize to that person you were rude to. Go, or, or better still, go fix your relationship with your children or your parent. Because I think that's, that's maybe our first and foremost kingdom work, to set aside our grudges. Because, and, and all this world does is encourage us to have them. And then that's that's one sign right there. You know, let, 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 let's let's be us against them. Uh let's have a big fight and not talk to each other. And Jesus was all about reconciliation. The the prodigal son is about, you know, to heck with the consequences. You're home. You were lost, you were found. That is that is worthy of taking our most you know our most precious cattle and fat you know and and having it for for barbecue. It's it's and and I so I think for for men I mean right there I mean yeah suck it up and go go repent apologize and seek reconciliation and yeah it means being vulnerable. It, it's scary. I'm not denying. You know, it's it's easier said than done. But that you know, if if I can now at least answer the question of will you know what does this kingdom of God like? Well, I think kingdom of God, your road to it begins by repentance and seeking forgiveness and forgiving others. And let's touch on that a little further, Steve. Uh, folks, if you didn't catch what Steve's telling you, mm-hmm. someone you may have something against someone else who sinned against you or hurt you or wronged you. You still forgive them, okay? You forgive them. You go to them and you ask to get it right with them. God says, before you come and pray at the altar, he says, if you have something against somebody else, in other words, they have wronged you. You haven't wronged them. They have wronged you. Go try to make it right with them before you pray. Now, folks, this whole Bible is all about that. Man sinned against God. When we were yet sinners... He came and made redemption for us. He came to us and asked us, can we make it right? I'm going to provide you the ultimate sacrifice, my son, Jesus Christ, to be your redemption for the sin you have committed against me. He gave us the perfect example, and he's asking us to follow that. 
So Steve is telling you and what the Bible is all about. And Robert and Bill, we all believe this, folks. Even though we may not want to practice, we may not like it, we're still supposed to give the opportunity mm-hmm. of a person who has wronged us uh, straighten it out and even and even say, I forgive you. If, if there's anything I can do, how, how can I make it right so you'll make it right? You know, I think it, <clears throat> honestly, uh, a couple of things, um, the way I, I look at these particular texts, you know, I think about the Exodus. Um, that's about taking people that are slaves, making them nomadic for 40 years, and then making them warriors to where they have to come and conquer a land. And then they have the expectation that it's going to become a kingdom and they're going to end up by having a king just like everybody else around them and and maybe have an offense and they don't understand that it's it's not the physical uh kingdom that they're thinking about it's a it's a spiritual awakening awakening and, and i think about those uh uh those people that uh, uh go ahead help yourself you can help yourself but don't take too much you know that you know those you know those kind of people or those people that are trying to be uh uh empathetic you know uh take what you need but leave the rest and stop crying uh, you know what i'm saying you know people that put conditions on things and i think that's what when jesus came back and he opened it up for all of us spiritual well, was, people. He he put no limits on it. Yeah, that's, he gave. He sorry, gave, that's exactly well, what I was trying to well, say. When and, it took and, me a well, long time and, to and get there. And not only that, but but he, he gave when he didn't even mean to give. There's the the story we have of the woman who touches the hem of his garment, and he stops everybody. Wait, wait, who touched me? And the disciples are like, really, Jesus? Like everybody's here and. You want to know who touched you? Probably hundreds uh, of people. A are certain touching way, you. though. No, Somebody exactly. touched him a certain and he way. Said, no, the they power had left that me. need. Uh-huh. They had that need. And and he but and he recognized that. So he's giving, even un, I'm going to say the word unintentionally, to an extent because that's happening even when he doesn't mean it to. And so and this study. Right. What it's giving to us as men, and I hope that you are picking it up out there, is this is a lot, a lot deeper than just basically a spiritual Santa Claus moment. Oh, and, this, and- this is all, a whole lot, a whole lot more, more than that. It's, it's showing the power of God, but on the backside is, expecting obedience well it, it, it and i think this and and I, we're getting close so i'm going to kind of throw this out as my closing the kingdom of god is not just going to church on sunday it's not just praying when you need something it's not just showing up here and serving hamburgers for welcome home sunday it's not teaching Sunday school for the youth or adults. It's not showing up and doing a podcast. It's not having a quiet time in and of itself. It's not being an example to the world about what a Christian lives. It's all of that together 
and, and our problem is, particularly in our Western world, and I think this is kind of the crux of the problem of wanting to put the kingdom, heaven, and the mortal earth apart from each other is it's not segmented. It's not siloed. We want to silo everything in our lives right now. You know, there's my school stuff. There's my family stuff. There's my church stuff. There's my work stuff. There's my fun stuff. It, it, it's the Saturday before, it's the Wednesday before the Saturday of college football kickoff. Week one. I know there's week zero, but none of those games count. You know, we have week one this Sunday. You know, it, it is not separating all, it's all of it together from God's perspective, and that's when it gets hard. Excellent. As we come down to the end of this particular podcast, uh, great summary, Professor. I'm going to go around the room and uh, get some takeaways from the fellas and uh, continue on with uh, Michael Cropper. I keep scratching my head, folks. Uh, we, we, we just mentioned this, and I'm sure you read all through the Bible. Uh, Jesus looked at people, he actually told them, your sins are forgiven. Okay? We clearly read that a while ago, and he's done it in several other cases. And I still wonder, how in the world does he have the authority to forgive sins? And, of course, one of the scripture readings that we we said was that um, um, before that, that Jesus told individuals when he was in, uh, he was going to heal a person, he was teaching some people in the home, I think, of Simon, and they let a person down through the roof. All of you will remember this. They mm-hmm. let him down on, on the roof on a cot, and he was lame. And Jesus first looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. Clearly, he had not healed him yet. And he was still laying on the cot, and, and the, the Pharisees and the teachers were very angered by that. And they, they said, how dare you say that? Or how can you say that? How can you do that? He says, well, which is easier? For me to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. And then he turned to the guy that was on the cot who was lame and he said, get up and walk. And he got up and walked. So which one's easier? There, I, there's nothing that's easier. The authority is get granted to him from God. And, and, I, and again, I scratch my head and wonder, is it because he can say this so easily because he is actually the lamb, the lamb of God that was sacrificed for our sin after all he told his disciples at the last supper he says take and eat of my body remember this in remembrance of me and they were thoroughly confused why would why would we want to eat your body well he's saying spiritually you're going to partake of my body you're going to be part of me whenever you accept me as your savior and the messiah and so this just goes through my mind if you guys comment on that that's great i just think Maybe he has this great authority. We know God gave him the authority to heal, but he has the authority also to forgive sin as if he's God. And God is separate from him. He prays well, to his heavenly father. I know. I know. I know where you're going with that. No, I'm not sure. I'm just saying I think it's interesting. Excellent. Steve. Well, I'll say, yeah. Well, that's... No, Mike, the healing, the healings and the forgiveness are tightly coupled together. And, and, and yes, in, in a, many of those instances, along with the healing comes the forgiveness of sins because in one, in one aspect, forgiveness is a healing. It's, it, and, and, and first and foremost, we're being forgiven by God 
for our sinful nature. Uh, we are being made whole. And that's that's part of exactly. the joy. Exactly. Uh, Christianity is a very joyful religion. That's why, why it's a, there's so much celebration going on. Because we're not lost. I, 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 right right ponders, yeah. right ponders, because you, you, you mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, the Babylonian captivity, they came back. It's been 500 years. They really have never had an independent nation since they came back. They had a brief period of the Hasmonean dynasty, but it didn't last. So the 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 the, the Jews of, of of Israel are wondering: Are is God still mad at us? Are we still are we still cursed? We we haven't really we've come back from exile, and that was promised, but nothing much has happened. So that uncertainty is going away now. No, wait, no, yes. You are saved. You, you, God is, you're, this is the year of favor. And all that analogy, you know, the, the, the prisoners being released, the blind seeing, um, is both literal but figurative as well. But, you know, analogous to the idea of being forgiven of your sin, of, of, of breaking out of the prison of your sinful nature through, through, through what ultimately is the sacrifice, but also the resurrection. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but coming down to it, the, the, I think the principal ideas, a, a look at the kingdom are cel- is celebration, healing, and forgiveness. And you know, they can go all around in a circle. One can lead, we, we, you know, we forgiveness, we have healing, we celebrate because of that. And so we celebrate some more because of, we forgive more. And so that's, I think, that I think is one of the pictures of the kingdom we can see here if, even if it is through a glass darkly. Excellent. Here's a heads up for uh, you listeners out there. You know, next week we'll mark our 300th podcast. So we'll be setting aside N.T. Wright to celebrate uh, this milestone with some clips and reminiscences as we look back at six and a half years of weekly podcasting. We hope you'll join us. In the meantime... Uh, I'd like to thank so much for tuning in to No Church Answers. And on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Kochu, my name is Bill Cox. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So please rate it and leave a review. And if you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or nochurchanswers.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, SugarlandBaptist.org. It starts Sundays at 9.45 a.m. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one of those men only. If there is one, start one. And take no church answers. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit nochurchanswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content. 